Let's pray. Almighty, eternal, and merciful God, whose word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path, open and illuminate our minds that we may purely and perfectly understand thy word and that our lives may be conformed to what we have rightly understood, that in nothing we may be displeasing unto thy majesty through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. That was the prayer of Holdrich Swingley. A Swiss reformer, he prayed that in July of 1525. He is long gone, but the Word of God remains. What a wonderful thing to know that we are connected across the centuries with those who have come before us and their prayers for what God would do in their lives and in their church services are identical to what we would want God to do in ours as well. Those who have come before us are now long gone, but the Bible lives on. A contrast for the ages. That's the title this morning. And I begin with a bit of a testimonial slash confessional. From my earliest days of remembrance, I have been a glory of mankind chaser. I have been impressed with physical strength, size, speed, and athletic prowess from the days of about six or seven years old on. I love those Paul Bunyan stories. Felling a tree with one swing of an axe. I love the stories about John Henry building the railroad. Powerful man swinging a hammer all day long. My Saturday mornings as a little child meant one thing. It meant the Super Friends and the League of Justice. Where they all came together, Superman, Flash Gordon, Batman, all of these superheroes, all in one cartoon. And then about the age of seven, I discovered football. And there was Larry Zonka. I'll never forget that man. Running over people. Powerful man, imposing punishment on would-be tacklers. And then I learned about Terry Bradshaw and heard that this man could throw a football 100 yards when he was in college. He was a javelin thrower as well and, and great exploits. What an arm. And then there was mean Joe Green pinching there on that center in that unique stance and bringing havoc to every offense he faced. And Jack Lambert in those missing middle teeth. That's what a middle linebacker is supposed to look like. And, and I didn't just stay with the Steelers. I loved Earl Campbell. I could watch that man play football all day. What an incredible specimen. It was September 6, 1980. I was 15 years old, and a true freshman by the name of Herschel Walker burst onto the scene. And I mean burst. It was his first college game. He was inserted after halftime. It's unbelievable to me that this man was not starting the game. He was inserted after halftime against the University of Tennessee in Knoxville, Tennessee. Over 100,000 screaming fans dressed in orange. His team was losing 15-2. to two. They had the ball on the 16-yard line, Tennessee's 16-yard line. You can go out to YouTube and watch this. I would encourage you to do so. <laughs> I actually thought about showing it this morning. but <laughs> Here is the Georgia announcer on this play. We hand it off to Herschel. There's a hole. He's running all over people. OMG. He ran right through two men. 
Herschel went right over two men. They had him dead away inside the nine. Herschel Walker went 16 yards. He drove right over orange shirts, just running and driving with those big thighs. OMG, a freshman. What he did on that drive was he completely annihilated a man by the name of Bill Bates, who was an all-SEC safety, who got in perfect form tackling, and Herschel ran right over the top of him. Bill Bates would go on to play years for the Dallas Cowboys. This was no slouch. And this true freshman burst onto the scene. You see, I would have been a good Roman citizen in the first century. I would have had season tickets to the Coliseum. All right? I would, gladiators, power, courage, strength. And then I discovered boxing. What a specimen of power and speed and size and agility was Muhammad Ali. I didn't like his religion or his politics, but man, when he stepped inside the ring, the world had never seen anything like that. And then I discovered females, and lo and behold, they had a glory all their own. <laughs> Some girl named Tracy would sit in the eighth grade and curl her hair, and my grades went out the window. <laughs> then I discovered music, and I dabbled in Rock music and pop music and country music. I was enamored that people would have such ability to entertain the masses and pull the heartstrings and make people cry and make people laugh and make people scream. I cannot tell you how many times I've seen the movie Rocky. It's countless. Who can ever forget Carl Lewis in the 1984 Olympics in Los Angeles? The man long jumped 29 feet. Who can ever forget Air Jordan dropping 63 on my Celtics? championship caliber Celtics, or Air Jordan dunking from the free throw line, or Larry Bird's eyes in the back of his head, or Michael Phelps slicing and flying through water, draped in more Olympic gold than any Olympian ever, and apparently he's not even done. The success of some of these early on became my idols. The, they, they became elevated in my mind, in my life as a young person. And I say that because my mood often depended on their success. And just like wooden idols in ancient Israel, my idols didn't even know I existed. <laughs> they didn't ever actually do anything for me, and yet I held them up high. I was still drawn to their glory, their, their fame, their splendor, and their majesty. I was awed by their greatness. After their exploits over the weekend, I would go to school on Monday and I would be the first person in school singing their praises, defending their greatness, wearing their number. I was enamored by what they could do that I couldn't do. That's what gods are for, right? And that what gods are for? To do for us what we can't do? And then, praise be to God, at the age of 20, I became a Christian and it cured most of this nonsense. But I also transferred some of it to guess who? Guess who I would transfer this to? Preachers, missionaries, superstar, celebrity, stud Christians. That's where I transferred it. In my 20s and my 30s, I was often overly impressed with clay pots and earthen vessels. I would sit in awe of my first three pastors as a young man. I was impressionable and I was overly amazed at their feats of human ability, at the gifts and talent that God had given them, at their knowledge, at their ability to open the Word of God. But now I am 50, people, 50 years old. I am half a century, and it's time to grow up. 
it is time for me to grow up. I no longer have any man or woman on a pedestal. With all due respect for my loving parents, my three wonderful children, my lovely wife, my supportive friends, and an amazing church, you don't impress me. (laughs) And I don't impress me either. Not anymore. I used to impress me, but no longer. I no longer see myself as having ability to accomplish anything good or lasting in myself. In fact, I would confess to you that more and more, everything is hard. Every day, in one way or another, is a struggle for me. In fact, if you're in my house, and my family can attest to this, you will often hear me say these words, Why does everything have to be so hard? I play my wife and my son in ping pong, and I say, why does everything have to be so hard? Carson said the other day, Dad, you are terrible at ping pong. (laughs) You're right. When God uses me, I am the most surprised person in the room. I'm not nearly impressed anymore with the gladiators of the gridiron like before. Have you seen Earl Campbell lately? Have you seen Terry Bradshaw lately? (laughs) No longer am I not impressed with them. Now I'm actually questioning their sanity and their judgment. The supermodel at 18 doesn't turn heads anymore at 81. Actually, it was a lot sooner than 81. I'm trying to be kind. The impressive CEO in his 40s who ran a multi-billion dollar corporation is now the stooped-over retiree in his 80s who can't find the remote control to the TV. Some age gracefully, but all age. Why? Why does all human glory fade? Why does Father Time always win? Why do they always have to eventually retire? Even if you're Brett Favre, you know, eventually you had to retire. Why is this? What's wrong with human glory? What's wrong with us? The answer is 1 Peter 1.24. It's this simple statement. For all flesh is like grass. That's where we begin. For all flesh is like grass. What Peter is saying here, quoting from the book of Isaiah, which we'll look at in a few moments, is simply this. All flesh is short-lived. Green today, gone tomorrow. All flesh, I don't care if they're strong or jacked or rich or smart, talented, beautiful individuals, they're all like lowly, lowly grass. Grass grows fast, it flourishes for a season, and then in days, even hours, it fades, it browns, and it withers. Peter writing this from the first century in the Middle East, and Isaiah writing it from the land of Israel. You take the Texas hill country, you add 10 degrees in the summer, you subtract 10 inches of rain per year, And then you've got grass in the land of Israel. Here today, gone tomorrow. This verse is telling us in 1 Peter 1, all flesh is like grass, verse 24. This verse is telling us that all mankind and the best of mankind is perishing. All mankind is fading. All mankind is born terminal. We're all born like bananas. Green today, yellow tomorrow, brown the next. You may have been born with a silver spoon in one hand, but you had a pending death certificate in the other. We start in diapers, and we end in diapers. 
If you live long enough. You start with blurry vision, vision, unable to walk and unable to talk, and you end with blurry vision, unable to walk and unable to talk. We are transient, fading, and frail as a blade of grass stuck in a desert, and it's only a matter of time before the sun dries us out. Peter goes on, And all its glory is like the flower of grass. I cannot get the word off my mind here of all. Not some of its glory, but all of the glory of humankind is like the flower of grass. Now the flower is the focal point. The flower is the attention getter of grass. Flowers smell good. Flowers look good. They have variety. They have colors. We're attracted to them. We, they catch our attention. They elicit boasting. Kind of rare to boast in grass, but boy, we'll boast in flowers and we'll marvel at their intricacies and their beauty. What Peter is saying here is, when he speaks of the flower, is that part of human existence and that part of human accomplishment that stands out. He says, it's all like the flower of grass. Grass is the day-to-day mundane existence of humankind, but the flower is the achievement. The flower is the success. The flower is having a run in football still on YouTube, you know, 30 years later. The accomplishments, the scoreboard, the bottom line, the return on investment, that's the flower. The number of friends, the number of likes, the number of retweets of your tweets and your posts and and the number of sales you make, and that's the flower. And he says all human glory is like that fragile flower, all of it, all of it. All of the glory of technological advances. All of the glory of medical breakthroughs. All of the astronomical profits of Apple and Google and Wall Street. All of the glory of female beauty and of male power and strength and of human success. All of it. All of the glory of actors and actresses and musicians and artists and athletes and politicians and businessmen and entrepreneurs. All of the glory of the Beatles and Elvis and Michael Jackson and Alan Jackson and Reggie Jackson and all the other Jacksons. And all of the glory of Marilyn Monroe and JFK and Ronald Reagan. All of the glory of the great generals and the founding fathers and the signers of the Declaration of Independence. All of the collective glory of all mankind since the dawn of time is like a flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls off. You can add up all of the greatness, all of our collective splendor, all of our beauty, all of our wisdom, and that's where it ends. It withers and it falls off. From mighty Nimrod to Nebuchadnezzar and all of his glory, from Alexander the Great to Plato to Aristotle, from the Pharaohs of Egypt to the Caesars of Rome, from Einstein to Abraham Lincoln, from Moses to Isaiah, from Daniel to Paul, from Eve to Sarah to Hannah to Mary, all of the greats of the Scriptures. The grass withers and the flower falls off. We wrinkle, our bones get brittle, our arteries harden, our ligaments and tendons tighten up, our skin and hair wither. It all withers. Our body chemistry changes. Proteins that are needed for our brain begin to diminish. Our vital hormones, whether male or female, decline or go berserk. We're like trees in the fall. Our sap begins to rescind and draw up and disappear. Everything we've ever done in our own strength, everything we've ever done for our own glory 
is like a tiny, fragile flower that is destined to dry up and blow away and never be remembered. All of the glory of all of humanity is ready, ready to fall, wrinkle and crinkle, to become crispy and crackly. It is about to crumble and disintegrate and turn to powder and be scattered by the wind. All of the kingdoms that we would ever build are built on sand and they're destined for the grave. And all that we've ever done in our own name and for our own glory will go there with us. All of it. Let me ask you a question. Do you know the name of your great-grandparents? Maybe you do. What about your great-great-grandparents? Do you know where they were born or what they did or when they died or what they accomplished? Do you realize that 200 years from now or sooner... Your house, your truck, all your possessions are likely to be gone. They'll be lost and rusted and crumbled. In less than 200 years, the memory of you, your job, your business, your accomplishments will all be forgotten. What we fight and bleed and sweat for today will be gone in the blink of an eye. What we think is so important today will be utterly forgotten tomorrow. What matters to us so much today will be utterly meaningless in 100 years. Or maybe five minutes. Here is wisdom then from the elderly preacher, not this elderly preacher, (laughs) Solomon, the elderly preacher. Turn to Ecclesiastes. In chapter 12, here's wisdom. Remember also, this is Ecclesiastes 12, 1 to 8. Remember also your creator in the days of your youth. Before the evil days come and the years draw near when you will say, I have no delight in them. All right, I'm in Ecclesiastes 12, now verse 2. Before the sun and the light, the moon and the stars are darkened. This is all an analogy of the human body. And clouds return after the rain. In the day that the watchmen of the house tremble. And mighty men stoop, and the grinding ones, that's the teeth, stand idle because they are few. And those who look through windows grow dim. And the doors on the street are shut as the sound of the grinding mill is low. And one will arise at the sound of a bird, and all the daughters of song will sing softly. Furthermore, men are afraid of a high place and of terrors on the road, the Almond tree blossoms, the grasshopper drags himself along, and the caperberry is ineffective. For man goes to his eternal home while mourners go about in the street. Remember him before the silver cord is broken and the golden bowl is crushed, the pitcher by the well is shattered and the wheel at the cistern is crushed. Then the dust will return to the earth as it was, and the Spirit will return to God who gave it. Vanity of vanity, says the preacher, all is vanity. Why is it like this? For that answer, we must turn to Genesis 3. Genesis 3 and verse 17 Then to Adam he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree about which I commanded you, saying, You shall not eat from it. Cursed is the ground 
because of you. In toil you will eat of it all the days of your life. Verse 18, Genesis 3. Both thorns and thistles it shall grow for you and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you will eat bread till you return to the ground. Because from it you were taken for you are dust and to dust you shall return. Is this part of God's word? Is this part of God's word that endures forever? Because this is part of God's word that endures forever, we have the answer for why the grave is never satisfied. It's right here in Genesis 3. We have an expiration date stamped upon our bodies before we leave the womb. We are all listed as day to day. There is no hero or surgery or seatbelt or CPR that saves a life. They only postpone death. There is no such thing as life insurance. There's only death benefits. If you live long enough, the bright will become dull, the strong will become weak, the tireless will become tired, and the once energetic will be exhausted. The grass withers and the flower falls off. I'm here to tell you the truth. Forgive me, I've been reading my Bible. I've been reading my Bible. I've been reading Jeremiah. I've been reading Lamentations. I've been reading Ezekiel. Here's the truth. Let's go to Job chapter 14. Loosen up your sword because we're going to spend a few minutes now in some key passages. Let's hear the truth. Job chapter 14. Beginning in verse 1. Man who is born of woman is short-lived and full of turmoil. Like a flower, he comes forth and withers. He also flees like a shadow and does not remain. You also open your eyes. Now he's Job now speaking to God. You also open your eyes on him and bring him into judgment with yourself. Who can make the clean out of the unclean? No one. Since his days are determined, the number of his months is with you. And his limits you have set so that he cannot pass. Job, feeling the reality of all of this, says to God, Turn your gaze from him that he may rest until he fulfills his day like a hired man. Or how about Psalm 103? Psalm 103 and verse 15. As for man, his days are like grass. As a flower of the field, so he flourishes. When the wind has passed over it, it is no more. And its place acknowledges it no longer. How about Isaiah chapter 40?
This is where Peter was uh, borrowing from. Isaiah included some things that Peter chose to leave out. Isaiah 40 and verse 6. A voice says, I'll wait for you. (laughs) Isaiah 40 and verse 6. A voice says, call out. Then he answered, what shall I call out? So the prophet is being instructed here to proclaim something, to preach something, to lift up his voice and to make it known to those who would hear him. Here's the message. All flesh is grass and all its loveliness is like the flower of the field. The grass withers and the flower fades. Now look at this. When? When the breath of the Lord blows upon it, surely the people are grass. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Verse 21. Do you not know? Have you not heard? Has it not been declared to you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he who sits above the circle of the earth and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers. Who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them out like a tent to dwell in. It is He, God, God who reduces rulers now. We'll take the powerful, we'll take the rich, we'll take the famous, we'll take those with authority. God reduces the rulers to nothing. Who makes the judges of the earth meaningless. Scarcely have they been planted, scarcely have they been sown, scarcely has their stock taken root in the earth, but He merely blows on them and they wither. And the storm carries them away like stubble. Or Jeremiah, chapter 17. Jeremiah 17, and verse 5. Thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in mankind, and makes flesh his strength, and whose heart turns away from the Lord. He will be like a bush in the desert. He will not see prosperity when it comes. He will, be like, he will live in stony wastes in the wilderness. A land of salt without inhabitant. A land of salt without inhabitant. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. And whose trust is the Lord. Or Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27. Hebrews nine twenty-seven. And inasmuch as it is appointed for men to die once, and after this comes judgment. Hebrews 9.27 And inasmuch as it is appointed for men to die once, there is no reincarnation, there is no second chance. We are appointed with a, with a, a meeting with death once, and then comes judgment. And finally, James chapter 1. James chapter 1, verse 9. But the brother of humble circumstances is to glory in his high position, and the rich man is to glory in his humiliation, because like flowering grass, he will pass away. For the sun rises with a scorching wind and withers the grass and its flower falls off and the beauty of its appearance is destroyed. So too the rich man in the midst of his pursuits will fade away. 
And then chapter 4 and verse 14. Let's do 13 and 14. Come now, you who say today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city and spend a year there and engage in business and make a profit. Verse 14. Yet you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. You are just a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. No matter your age here this morning, no matter your current appearance this morning, I want you to go home today and I want you to look into the mirror and I want you to say to yourself, the grass withers and the flower falls off. And then I want you to walk away from that darn mirror and I want you to look at your Bible and I want you to say, but the word of the Lord endures forever. That is the contrast for the ages. The word of God stands forever. Is there something that lasts? Is there something I can count on being here tomorrow? Is there something I can put all of my trust in? The answer is yes, Peter says. The word of the Lord endures forever and this is the word which was preached to you. You see, the message of God never withers. The gospel flower never falls off or fades. 2,000 years ago, 2,000 years ago, it was the power of God to salvation, and it is the power of God to salvation today. The Word of God endures forever. This book is alive. It is energetic. We ought to have a warning sign out front when you walk in. Not men at work, but the Bible at work. The Bible at work. It never fades. The word of the Lord never fails. It never comes up empty. It never returns void. This book accomplishes all of the purposes of God for which it was sent. The Bible never stubs its toe, never leaves its keys somewhere that it can't find them. It never loses things. Just the other day, I was walking out of my office. All of my keys were sitting on my conference room table right by the door in plain sight. And I walked right by them and I locked the door behind me. And walked out of my office. There were my car keys. There were all of my keys right there, still inside my office. Sad, sad, sad. The Bible never runs off the road or nods off or burns supper. The Bible needs no caffeine. You don't have to feed it. You don't have to take care of it. You don't have to defend it from its enemies. The Bible will never have a midlife crisis. The Bible will never need a shiny new sports car to ride around in because it rides around in the eternal Holy Spirit. The Bible never goes into the nursing home. It will never need assisted living. The Bible never needs a walker or a cane. It never loses its balance. God's Word is never stumped or stymied. It's never silent. There are no blemishes to hide. There's no gray to color. The Bible is ageless. It's timeless. It's like God. It endures forever. The Bible, therefore, is always relevant. It is always up to date. It never needs updating. It never needs editing. The Bible stands the test of time and it endures to all generations. It was good enough for your great, 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 great grandfathers and it'll be good enough for your great, 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 great grandchildren. The Bible endures forever. You may bury the preacher and you will, but you will never bury this book. It endures forever. Paul said to the Roman government, You may imprison me, but the Word of God is not imprisoned. This book was here long before you showed up, and it'll be here long after you're gone and after I'm gone. 
Here's what Jesus said about it. He said, do not think that I came to abolish the law and the prophets. I did not come to abolish, but to fulfill. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest stroke or letter shall pass from the law until all is accomplished. Matthew 5. This book is eternal, immovable, steadfast, and fixed. It is abiding, enduring, and remaining. You can't successfully bury it, debunk it, suppress it, or censor it. It has been misused, abused, neglected, ignored, and attacked, and yet here it is. Enduring forever until all is accomplished. It has been not translated, mistranslated, burned, outlawed, smuggled, confiscated, yet here it is, enduring forever until all is accomplished. The Bible is questioned and doubted, mocked and called into the courtroom of human opinion. The Bible is called under the judgment of men, and yet here it is, and it will judge us in the last day. Listen, you have a better chance of damming up the Mississippi River with toothpicks before you're going to stop the Word of God from accomplishing its purposes. This book endures forever. The grass may wither and the flowers may fall off and they will, but the gospel seed is imperishable. It is the power of God unto salvation. Kingdoms come and kingdoms go, just like their citizens, but the word of the king remains forever, just like the king. 1 Peter chapter 2 tells it to us so beautifully. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls off, but, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word which was preached to you. Seven implications before we leave. Number one, be careful. You are mowable grass, not a bulletproof oak tree. Now this is mostly for those under 30 in our midst. You are not bulletproof. You are like grass. Be careful. Wear seatbelts. Exercise caution. Take nothing for granted. We are mowable grass. I will add to this application, exercise. Take care of the the short life you've been given. We are inherently weak. We are inherently frail. We must take care of these vessels. Don't be foolhardy. Don't be foolish. Don't take unnecessary, extravagant risk and call it manhood. Don't be an idiot. You are mowable grass. Number two, don't make an idol out of worm food. Don't lust. This is mostly for the Men in our congregation, though lust is a reality for all people, don't lust after someone who will soon be a skeleton. Take away all the flesh which is grass. Don't lust after a skeleton. 
Don't put on a pedestal that which is going to feed the worms. Don't put your trust in the arm of flesh. Number three, plan and mentally attend your own funeral. I don't, I don't, I don't care how old you are. If you're able to understand me. Plan and mentally attend your own funeral. Think often upon your demise. Think often upon how you want to be remembered for the brief time that you will be remembered. But mostly think often as to where do you want to spend eternity. Eternity is right around the corner. It's just, we're just right on the edge of it. Every moment of our existence, we're right on the edge of eternity. Where do you want to spend it? Plan and attend your own funeral. See yourself at your own funeral. Listen to what people are saying about you at your own funeral. What, what scriptures do you want read at your funeral? What songs do you want sung at your funeral? See, the reality is babies die and toddlers die and eight-year-olds die and teenagers die and 20-year-olds die and people of every age die when the breath of the Lord blows upon it. Number four, men, I say to you this morning, what is your priority, the man cave or the study? The man cave or the study? Do you have a study where you study the Scriptures and books about the Scriptures? Let me ask you men, how much time and money have you invested in TV and satellite TV? Now compare that to how much time you have invested in good books and a dedicated place to pray and read and study. Can I say to the men, shut down the man cave, turn off the TV, and study the Scriptures. All fle- Turn it on, look at it, and go, all flesh is like grass. Look in the mirror, all flesh is like grass. Look at that which would tempt you and say, all flesh is like grass. Now I'm going to go study something that actually lasts. Number five. Here's a, here's a positive side to all of this, all right? Make hay while the sun shines. So I didn't know this when I was 30, but I'm starting to know it now that I'm 50. All right? Get educated. Get trained. Make money. Yes, make money. Build that house. Build that career. Have those kids. Do those missions. Serve the Lord while there is time and while there is energy. Because it's fleeting. It is fleeting. Seize the moment. Seize the day. Make hay while the sun shines. Listen, you don't have all day. You don't have all day. I don't have all day. We need to have a sense of urgency. The grass is withering. It's withering as we speak. We don't have forever. Do something with your life while the sun still shines. Number six, you want to do something with your life? Here's a good thing to do with it. Make it your mission in life to spread the enduring Word of God to other other withering blades of grass before it is too late. Everybody is a withering blade of grass. Make it your mission in life to get them that which will preserve them for eternity. Right? And then number seven. 
I was going to call number seven, get it through your thick skull, but I, I wanted to be nicer, so I'm just going to call it get real. Okay? Number seven is get real. The next big thing is not Windows 10 or iPhone 7 or Madden 28 or the birth of your baby or the marriage of your children. The next big thing is the return of Jesus Christ. Get it through your thick skull. It's not the election next year. It's not the economy. It's not the stock market. It's not anything of this world. It's the return of Christ who will return according to the enduring Word of God. Right? The return of Christ because the Word of God remains forever and not a smallest stroke or yod or mm will pass before all is accomplished. Be careful. Don't make an idol out of worm food. Y'all understand I'm talking about us when I say worm food, right? I'm just not sure if y'all got that. Yeah. Plan and attend your own funeral. Shut down the man cave and open up the study. Make hay while the sun shines. Make it your mission in life to spread the enduring word of God to blades of grass before it's too late and get real. Get real. Father in heaven, thank you for the clarity and power and conviction of your word. Help us to leave here today uh, willing to adjust the priorities of our life to the truth. Lord, for those this morning who might be particularly downcast or discouraged, those who are feeling the, the weight of their fallenness spiritually or physically, May even this truth be an encouragement to them that there is no avoiding the withering of the grass and the falling off of the flower. Thank you, Lord, that all of this causes us to lift our eyes to you, to fix our hope on you, to, to get our eyes off of man and off of ourselves and off of our accomplishments and put them on your accomplishments. Help us to do that. We pray in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.